You've arrived at the Talent Destination, a podcast dedicated to the art of building a company your team will love. Hey everyone, this is Brie Olmsted, producer of Refine Labs Talent Destination podcast, and you've arrived at a bonus episode. If you hang around and listen today, you'll hear Talent Destination's co-host and Refine Labs Chief Operating Officer, Megan Bowen, talking with Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder and CMO at Be The Stage, a marketing strategy and services company founded to prove that community is the future of business development. Megan joined Pablo as a guest on his B2B Community Builder Show podcast with their live audience to talk about what it means to build a talent destination and think through how massive changes in the talent acquisition ecosystem create massive opportunities for innovation. Thanks to our friends at the B2B Community Builder Show for inviting us onto their channel, for producing this content, and for permission to share it here on Talent Destination. Now to this episode. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. Welcome, everybody, to the B2B Community Builder Show. I'm your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez. And today, as you are rolling into the show, I want you checking in here in the chat. Let me know where you're from. We are in episode 186, season five of the show. And this is a topic and a person that I am incredibly excited to talk about because as we continue to build upon our thesis of the importance of community, the thing that gets more and more crucial to it working, to companies being built the right way is the idea of a world-class company culture. So we have reached out to a person who I think is a world-class integrator, an absolute champion for culture and for building a talent destination. She is a sneaky good content host, like co-host, content driver, (laughs) content creator. She's a LinkedIn celebrity. I think that she is going to be in the hall of fame of COOs of this generation, in the Mount Rushmore, right? Like the top five (laughs) operators of our generation. I can't wait to read the book when she writes all about this thing. She's the COO and partner at Refine Labs. Megan Bowen, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, Pablo. I need to have you do all of my introductions. Thank you so much. That was amazing. I'm super happy to be here. And I feel like everything we're going to talk about today is right in line with your area of expertise, right? Creating community at all levels, your company externally with your customers. And so a lot of great topics for us to cover today. 
I'm super pumped to talk about it. I love, you know, what you have pioneered in the field of, of like doing all this stuff. And I agree with you, right? Like the more I've, I used to think of community as a, as an outward thing looking from the company, right? But the more I look at it, the more it makes sense that community starts inward. It starts with the team that you have on board. It has the culture that you have on board. And then at that point, it can really, really scale if you have the right ingredients. And right now we got the right ingredients showing up to the show. We got Lee Bishop in the chat already saying hello. Welcome back. Hi, Megan. He is the MVP of the Not Your Average Investor Show community, becoming the MVP of this community, which is the, the other show I, I have. Ashley Savas checking in. She says, can't wait to hear what you have to say, Megan. Ashley, I can't wait to hear from you. I hope that you, you know, use the Q&A, ask some questions. Scott Marker, I think we all know and love Scott. He we all know a, Scott. <laughs> we all know Scott, stalwart of the Demand Gen Live community, a guy that I met through Peak Community, got a really compelling book coming out about how sales needs to change and how he's going to help everybody. Mike Hines is another stalwart here in our community. He's a He's a great business coach out here doing really amazing things, combining psychology and leadership. Super pumped to have you. This is an interactive show. I want you to be part of the conversation. I want you to check in. Right after the show, we're going to roll right into our relationship-driven growth strategy sessions. And uh, without further ado, Megan, what is... I am a sucker for hook points, right? Like I love, <laughs> I love when somebody coins something so perfectly that it makes me stop the way that I'm moving, look over and go check it out. When you came out with the Talent Destination podcast and you coined this term of talent destination, it immediately registered for me and I was really fascinated by it. So I guess in in your own words, what is a talent destination and why do we need to care about it? Thank you for that great tee up. And so it's one of my favorite topics. Actually, it's one of the most creative phrases that I've coined. So I'm, I love the talent destination phrase, but really I want to walk through the 10 ingredients, but I also want to give everyone a little bit of insight into sort of my personal history and context of how I came to have this perspective, right? And to coin this phrase and to codify what it means to be a talent destination. And so I grew up in the New York City startup scene and was at a ton of different startups, ZocDoc and Grubhub and Managed by Q. I was part of IPOs and acquisitions and the highs and the lows of the startup life, right? And I was part of you know, companies that were doing great things. And I also had experiences that were not great, right? And it really led me, especially upon reflection, to really identify wow, what were the conditions that existed where I was able to do my best work and where I was able to witness other people doing their best work, right? And then what are experiences that I had that completely killed my spirit or completely surfaced how I was not aligned with the company that I was at and needed to find my next chapter, right? So all of those personal experiences over the course of a 17-year career. And, and after I had left my last company, it was June of 2020, middle, you know, beginning of the pandemic. I basically, you know, in my head, I said, I want to create companies that create the conditions for people to do the, the best work of their lives. I can't continue to work at companies where I am witnessing or a part of these conditions that create subpar, you know companies or that have a negative impact on employees' well-being or that aren't really customer first. And so it was all of my lived experiences where I was like, I clearly know what I need to create and what I need to avoid. And how can I have a positive impact on the ecosystem and show people that you can build a successful company and do it the right way, right? And create a win-win-win, a win for your team, a win for your customers, and a win for your business. So that's kind of the backstory. I like to tell stories. And so I just thought that that would be helpful yeah. to, to set the stage. But yeah, before I kind of get into my 10 ingredients, I don't know if you have any questions or, or reactions to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would love to... That That's a great story of purpose, right? I would love to know if there was... Was there a moment there where it just... Was it moving towards joy or away from pain? Like, was there a moment in your career where you're like, enough, like it's not worth working like this for me, so I don't want to do it for somebody else? Or was it a moment where you're like, I'm never going to make money if I'm stuck in this like hamster wheel of a crappy company? I guess what was the, was there like a major impetus that really made you draw the line? I think it was both. But to be honest, I think it was maybe more 
pain initially because of my last two companies I was at, there was an acquisition and then the pandemic. And I was just part of really difficult situations, you know, combination of like poor decision-making layoffs, like making decisions that we knew would negatively impact the team. And like my heart couldn't take it anymore. And so there was definitely that element. What was interesting though, is when I was in those situations and when I was asserting a different point of view about how we could have tackled something differently or how we should be prioritizing certain things, I wasn't seeing as much open-mindedness as I needed to effectively get it done. And a lot of resistance that what I was suggesting, although was good for the team or good for the customer, would have a negative impact on the bottom line. And so I was realizing I wasn't able to, either wasn't in the right environment or I hadn't been able to articulate compelling enough and an argument for them to listen to me and for them to take a different approach. And then I just felt in my head, like, why is no one doing this? Like, okay, I want to prove that it can be done. So then it became like me needing to prove something, right? And to say, okay, like I can do this. I can figure this out. I can build my own business. I can show people that I can do it bootstrapped and that I can put my people first and my customers next. At the time, Chris happened to you know, reach out and him and I had been building a relationship and him and I shared a lot of these same values and experiences. So we decided to team up and do it together. Right before then, my original plan was to just start my own company. And doing it with Chris has been amazing because look look at what we've been able to do with Refine Labs and look at the impact that we've we've been able to have. So I'm really glad I made that decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty impressed with uh, what y'all have done if you do, haven't noticed, right? Like this uh, growing beyond 100 employees in under three years. I won't shut up about it, right? Like this idea that you established a minimum salary of 75K to me is like the ultimate entrepreneurial achievement that I've never heard anybody anybody mirror. I think it's absolutely phenomenal, right? And And your story of origin reminds me a lot of I take a lot of solace in that journey, right? I take a lot of solace in the idea that you realize that there's something in the world that needs to exist and you have an intuitive feeling slash experiences that tell you that if nobody else is going to do it, then I'm going to do it, you know? And for me, it was this idea of how you can grow a company through community for you growing a company through, you know, creating this like really attractive talent destination. It sounds a lot like, the moment where I said enough is enough, I'm going to go start my own thing kind of thing and started iterating. Yep. Amazing that you found a great partner to do it with and, and be accompanied with. I think that's great. I don't want to keep teasing people. You got, you got the recipe. Let's get into got, it. Yeah. You got the 10 steps. I mean, I got the I, list. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to read it? Do you want me to read it? And then, and then we can riff on, on these. Yes. Why yeah, don't go. I riff on a few and like, okay. why don't I do two or three at a time, provide a little extra context and I'd love cool. for you to weigh in. Yeah, um, sure. And then I think after we go through like all of these ideals, I'd love to like have a little like real talk segment yeah, because please. a lot of this is aspirational and I won't be, you know, I'll be the first to say that even at Refine Labs, we're not doing all 10 of these as good as we can. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so this is, this is the aspirational list. And then we can have a little bit of real talk of how some of it's challenging and how it takes time to build into these things. Like um, I said, I think you're an underrated content host. By all means, take it charge here. Take it, <laughs> take it away. Go. So the first three, I think, really anchor in what I talk about a lot, which is psychological safety. So the first three ingredients, a place where I can show up as my true self and be accepted for who I am. Number two, a place where I feel like I can express my true opinion and engage in respectful disagreement. And three, a place that prioritizes my well-being and embraces flexibility and when and how I work. So all of these three things are really centered on the individual, right? And so how am I creating the conditions where people can genuinely show up as their authentic self, that you can have debate, that people feel willing to express their opinion, to make a mistake, and that you're you're creating an environment where people can achieve outcomes while maintaining a level of flexibility, right? And so I think these three in particular, we've actually done really well at Refine Labs and it goes such a long way. I do not believe a company is a family, like no, 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 but a company is a high performing team. It is a community. It doesn't mean you can't create really strong bonds, right? But there's also an expectation that needs to be met. And so these three sort of components, I think really hit on what people expect now, people demand this. And if you're not willing to 
create the conditions for these things, you're going to have a hard time attracting and retaining great talent. Yeah, totally. Listen, to me, the thing that sticks out the most when I dive through these 10 commandments, <laughs> these 10 rules, right, is that they fit very neatly into your five keys for creating conditions for people to do the best work in their life, right? Like I would put these three under point number two, which is the psychological safety and trust. Absolutely. Um, I think of this stuff and I think of the idea that a it is always better to be playing offense than to be playing defense. And if someone is coming from a defensive standpoint, right, like if your bucket is overflowing with anxiety or fear, then you're not going to be in a clear space to make the best strategic decisions for yourself, for the company, for the client, for these kinds of things. And in a overly neurotic world where we live in right now, where anxiety is rampant, it is in the business owner's best interest to create a space where when you walk into the room, people relax instead of tighten up. And that was made really clear by my wife when she first mentioned that about her boss. I was like, that's exactly who I want to be. Is that kind of where you're at? Do you have a different take on that? Yeah, I think if people feel like they can be their authentic self and speak their mind and be listened to, they are more likely to raise challenges and to bring new ideas to the table and to tell you when something's going wrong instead of being afraid to bring these things up. Instead of being in a position where they feel like they just have to take and execute orders instead of help drive innovation forward, right? And yeah. so it's it's crucial. It's crucial. And psychological safety is it's very difficult to establish and it's difficult to maintain. And it requires like an ongoing commitment to making sure that you are continuously checking in with your team to identify if there are problems that need to be solved to like nurture and maintain that. So it's not a one and done, but it's crucial. Like I had those experiences where one of the values was speak up. I spoke up. Leadership didn't like what I had to say. I said, what? I'm speaking up. And they're like, that one doesn't apply to you. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm out of here. I made the decision that day that I was leaving, right? Like, I'm not going to stay in a place that doesn't want to hear what I have to say, but I'm not the only one that feels that way. Yeah, totally. What's a good kind of like method for checking in on people, right? Like, how do you know when to check in? Is it, do you have it built into a regular cadence or do you look for certain signposts and triggers and stuff like that? Absolutely. So we do, you know, quarterly engagement surveys. We do regular weekly pulse surveys through a tool called Lattice to like use tools to kind of get data and get an ongoing pulse. And then you have your culture ambassadors at the company, right? You have the people at the company that are in tune with the team that people feel comfortable going to when things come up, who are empowered to surface those things and to encourage people that bring up challenges or problems to share them upwards with leadership. So it's a combination of figuring out systems and sort of cadences for like regular surveying and having some mechanism for some data collection around that, because that's important, especially as you scale, but also talking to people and yeah. having those people within the org that, you know, people do feel comfortable opening up with. So whether it's office hours and kind of keeping those open lines of communication, those are the two primary tactics that we use. Are you looking for a cultural ambassador? Like, are you always on the lookout? Like, oh, this person's been here for a couple of months. Looks like a perfect cultural ambassador. Or is it? They just, they reveal themselves, right? Okay. It's because they don't have to try. Because of who they are and their level of empathy and emotional intelligence, they are the people that groups of the company will go to, to share their feedback, right? So it's paying attention, Okay. And it's who are those individuals? How are they managing up? How are they then encouraging those people to share it with directly? But are yeah, you checking I mean, in with the cultural ambassadors at a different cadence? It's more organic, I would say. Okay. And usually like at least monthly, but it depends. And especially after certain things happen, you know, and I was going to bring this up today. Like, unfortunately, we did have to lay off a percentage of our company, which was like... I never, ever, ever wanted to do that. We did it in the best way that we could, but that was super shitty, right? So I've been mm -hmm. spending a lot of time with these individuals over the last few weeks so that we can go through the repair that our organization has to go through after an event like that. So it yeah. really depends on what's going on and where you know you need to bolster that team morale and that engagement and bringing those in at the right time. Got it. You know, that to me goes back to kind of like one of the core tenets for me of building community, which is you don't want to be Superman. You want to create the Avengers. 
right? Yeah. Like you want to create this empowered you team. You can't do that, it all. Yeah. 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 So that, that makes a lot of sense. All right. You want to hit me with a couple more of these and let's rip some more? Yeah. So the next three, I think are, they touch on some different points, but I'll connect them. So four is a place with a vision for the future that is different, mm-hmm. unique, compelling, and important, right? So this speaks mm-hmm. to purpose, vision, mission, purpose. What are we trying to do? And people have to be energized by that, right? They have to be inspired by that. So you have to be solving an important problem. You have to be, you know, building a new category. You have to be, you know, focused on improving something. And everyone is passionate about different things, right? So there's no right or wrong. It's just you have to be connected to that. The next one is providing time and space to be creative, explore, and try new things. And this has been some of the coolest things that we've seen at the company. We're all about how do we create the conditions for innovation, right? Beyond Chris and myself, what are we doing so that everyone on the team can be pushing our vision and our mission forward? And really what that means is creating its talent density, It's how do you bring super smart people together that are going to push each other to think better and differently? And how are you giving them time and space and autonomy to be creative and to bring new ideas to the table? I think there's a lot of power behind that. The next one that I'll loop in with this group is a long-term mindset and unwillingness to sacrifice integrity, honesty, and respect to get ahead. That's kind of like table stakes. But Mm -hmm. I've been in organizations where... I felt that I would have had to compromise my integrity. I was unwilling to do so, right? And like, you can't... Yeah, so table stakes, but there's still places out there where sometimes people feel like they're being put in a situation where they don't want to be in. Table stakes in integrity is, you know, basic human decency, right? Like, I think you are... If you are lucky enough to have been raised right or have been taught something by a mentor, right? What I find unique in that is the long-term mindset inside of it. Can you expand a little bit of the difference between like short-term mindset integrity and long-term mindset integrity? Yeah, absolutely. And I made these mistakes in my career, right? Like I, you know, I'm very goal-oriented. So if you're like, you have to get this thing done, I like will do anything to get it done, right? But what I've realized is there can be collateral damage. And so like I was at a company and we were trying to hit a really like overly aggressive revenue target. And I ended up hitting the target, but I created like destruction in my wake doing so, right? So it's like, okay, you know, we hit the Q2 number. Yay. You told me I needed to hit this goal. I hit this goal. But wait a second. Look what happened as a result of that. And is the collateral damage worth that short-term goal attainment? Where you know what? I could have avoided that. Maybe I missed Q2, but then we would have met or exceeded Q3 or Q4, right? So it's really understanding the impact that you're having on the rest of the organization and understanding that achieving a goal in and of itself isn't the only measure of success. How you achieve that goal and how everyone feels along the journey is just as important. And if it takes longer to get somewhere, but everyone is feeling good about the process, that that's probably the better path. And the only reason I learned that was because I succumbed to the pressure of trying to hit a goal and kind of was like, whatever it takes, right? The ends justifies the means. And I'll never make that mistake again. Yeah, totally. You know, that's one of our core values is to play the infinite game, which I think is similar to one of your core values that has to do with with playing long-term, right? Embracing an infinite mindset. And to us, we describe it as the idea that to think beyond the moment of, of how this applies, right? Strategically, right? Like we tie sustainability into it. The idea of, you know, think beyond the boundary of whatever you're acting in and how it all, how sustainable a thing that you're building. And the idea that you can't really you know, losing your shit on somebody is a fireable offense, right? Because once you do that, it's really, really hard to go back to like, no matter how frustrated you are, if you don't put in that extra effort to communicate in a constructive way, and it becomes a really personal destructive thing, there's kind of no rebuilding that, right? Like kind of like the psychological safety that you said, once you cross that threshold, it's kind of hard to walk it back. It's true. And I think that in any relationship, a lot of things can be repaired, right? But at some point, like you will cross a line, right? And I mean, and that's, those were a lot of moments in my career, right? Like I 
even in that situation where the leader told me like speaking up doesn't apply to you, like don't do that. There were signs leading up to that, that maybe that wasn't the right place for me. And then that was the straw for me that was like, I can't be here anymore. This isn't the place for me. Despite me learning a ton and meeting some great people, it doesn't discount the experience that I had there or the impact, but that's my sign not in the right place, right? And when you think about high-performing individuals, all of these things are touching on elements of a work environment that bring the best out in people. And the best people are going to seek those out. They're going to avoid places that are not meeting those needs. So not only is it good for the people, but it's a strategic lever for your company to grow, right? So like it hits all of the angles. This isn't just like, oh, do these nice things for these people, right? It's like, no, this is how you can actually build a super successful business. Correct. Um, The sustainability of the momentum becomes real, right? Like it becomes that flywheel effect. The one thing I want to hit on before we move on to the next ones is this idea of like a place with a vision for the future that is different, unique, and compelling and important. Man, the, the idea of being a bat signal for the things that you want to attract and like making sure that that thing shines really, really bright and how how being different is so much easier to attract than trying to be better or worse, right? Than to play the Mm -hmm. comparison game. I I think very early on, I realized that you were a category nerd, like a category design nerd too, right? Like, oh yeah, which I love this Christopher Lockhead. (laughs) Yeah, which fully culminated in, in that interview that you and Chris had with Christopher Lockhead, right? But like early on, I remember you had Lockhead on your, on your first customer success. Yeah, on, the yeah. Unwritten, on your unwritten playbook one. And I remember like when I had your partner, Chris, on this show in episode 100, my first question to him was, you know, would you say that you are designing a category? And he kind of like skirted the question. I was like, oh, okay. So so Megan is Megan is the one that's like really going hard at the category thing right now. But you you have both always done a really, really good job of this is why we're different, right? Be it strategic narrative, be it category design, being whatever that's worth. Can you talk about how kind of just like, creating that wake and creating those ripples kind of pulls people along with you that really want to go for it? Yeah, absolutely. And I like I view what we're doing at Refine Labs that we have two visions and that we're creating two categories, right? So Chris Walker is 100% a category creator. Like and sure. his vision for the future of marketing is compelling, unique, different, right? And it's going to continue to evolve and get even better and better over time, right? And so he excels there. Whenever this show was, he was he didn't realize how brilliant he is. Yeah, yeah. It was like um, 83 and, episodes ago, right? It was a long yeah. time ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And then at the same time, though, so it's like, we're going to change the world of B2B marketing, but we also want to change how companies should be built, right? So it's this dual vision and this dual and like actually show people that thinking about building your company in the lens of creating a talent destination is a completely different and strategic way of company building that hasn't really existed before, right? So we're kind of disrupting it on both avenues. And frankly, Chris is very integrated into both, right? He's obviously the marketer and sort of leads that particular vision. And with my own passion on company building, you know, I lean into talent destination and we leverage those strengths in our partnership to kind of get both messages out into the market. And both are important, right? To attract the type of marketers we want to the company, Chris's, you know, marketing category evangelism is a critical ingredient, you know, to attracting the right talent to our talent destination. So it's, it all... It all plays together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. I um, you know, something about the category language is just like it has always spoken to me, right? Like I feel like the people that not everybody that is thinks that they're different thinks that they're extraordinary, but everybody that's extraordinary thinks that they're different, right? So I, I just think it's it's one of those very natural things that when you see it in the ecosystem and then you read play bigger, you can never unsee it yeah. kind of thing. And it was really clear to me that. From the beginning, that's what was happening at Refine Labs. And I find it fascinating of how much it's evolved, right? Like how how much more like consciously the language of category and the language of that stuff is has become part of the lexicon over time. And I just really admire it. Oof, that was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could 
just give this a pause right now, go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you haven't already hit five star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Give me, give me some more, Megan. Let's keep, let's keep kicking it. All right. So I'll go through the the last four so that we hit okay. all 10. So the, yeah. the next one, number seven is a place with clear expectations, regular feedback and accountability that challenges me to grow. So this is challenging, especially in like a startup environment or when you're just at the beginning of building a business, because there is a lot of ambiguity, right? And so having clarity on goals and expectations and prioritizing feedback conversations, it can be challenging because you're just like, we got to get this going, right? And we want to change course and do this and that. But this is what can frustrate so many people. Like I've seen so many instances and I've been there where expectations weren't communicated clearly, then those expectations weren't met. And then that person was penalized for it when it all could have been avoided had those expectations been made really clear at the beginning. Feedback is crucial. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with leaders over the years where they're expressing a challenge they're having with someone. And I'm like, well, have you told them this? No. I'm like, okay, well, If you just talk to people and you give them feedback, you can work through just about everything. And so many people are, whether it's conflict avoidant or just not comfortable or not, they don't feel prepared to deliver constructive feedback. It's a huge hindrance. And then holding people accountable, right? Again, I'm all about the warm and fuzzy feelings, but at the end of the day, we're here to do a job and people appreciate being held accountable. And there is a way to do it where you don't have to be an asshole about it right? And you can renegotiate deadlines and this and that. But when people are held accountable, they feel more, I don't know, ownership of their work. And if you have an accountability conversation, they're more likely to manage up effectively or proactively surface a deadline change, whatever it is. And so these are things that often like, we're too busy, we're growing fast, we can't do all these things. And like, these are so critical. Like all your company is, is a bunch of people doing stuff. So you just need to make sure everyone is clear on what they should be doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make sure Don't they're in, the, in, step. <laughs> in the, the right person in the right seat of the bus, right? Like Jim Collins 101. Yeah, yes. all right. Let's, let's keep kicking. Exactly. So a place where I'm surrounded by diverse, intelligent, driven people who I can constantly learn from, right? This speaks to talent density. Some of the best experiences that I had, even at companies that weren't, that I didn't have some good experiences at, if I was around super talented people, man, like that motivates high performers, right? And it, it, collectively elevates everybody. Number that was the, the reason that I left the construction industry, right? Like I, I was tired of like the, but we've done it this way for the last 25 years conversation. Yep. I was like, I need to be in a place where everybody's like, how do we do it better? <laughs> yes. <laughs> how do yeah, we do yeah. it now? How do we think of a different yeah. way to solve this problem? Um, and number nine, a place where I'm appreciated, recognized and rewarded for a job well done. Thank you goes a long way. Like having joy, laughter, positive energy in the workplace is critical, right? Validating people when they do something good will mean that they keep doing that good thing. There's just so many reasons why. And this is like, it's just crazy to me how so many leaders don't do simple things that would go such a long way to make people feel appreciate it. That's another huge reason why top talent leaves. If they don't feel recognized or appreciated, they're going to go somewhere where they will feel that way. And lastly, number 10, a place that makes me a better person, practitioner, and leader that wants to pay it forward to help others. And so one of our new values is having a growth mindset. Like all high-performing individuals want to continue to grow personally and professionally, right? And they want to get better at their craft, but they want to become a better leader or a better person, right? And learn new things. And so how are you creating an environment where people can achieve their personal and professional growth objectives so that you're... Yeah, I think Amy Vola says this actually, but like alignment is the new loyalty. I'm not going to be blindly loyal to you no matter what, but if my my goals are aligned with the company's goals and we can both get thing, stuff out of this, I will be loyal to the company because yeah. it's good for me, right? Yeah. That's sort of the mindset to be having around that. Man, you know, these last kind of two or three, right? Remind me a lot of one of, so my, 
you know, my like one relationship that I've made through podcasts and that really makes me kind of pinch myself is this guy called Robin Dreek, who was the former head of and behavioral intelligence of the FBI. He was like a Russian spy catcher. He was like, uh, he was like Jack Bauer. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wrote two books, one called The Code of Trust and the other one about sizing people up. And it was literally his methods to recruit Russian spies and get him to trust him. Right. And it essentially goes like this approach somebody with curiosity instead of judgment, acknowledge the things that, you know, that they believe in, that you believe in as well create alignment around the things that you can both believe in and offer options to to do it together right to help each other in the things that you both earnestly believe in and keep showing up right and to me when i read that i'm like man if that is if that's how you recruit spies right like it's everything that you're saying right it's like acknowledge people for everybody has something that is a truth right like everybody has there's this quote called by Ralph Waldo Emerson, every man I meet is in some way my superior and in that I can learn from them, right? Like that was the way I used to start my first like hundred or so episodes of my podcast because everybody has something valuable. And if you do a good job at acknowledging that value in people and really accentuating that value and and putting it on a pedestal and saying, I want to align with this thing, it is a way of just stacking up talent around you and getting people on a mission together, right? Where they all feel like they have a role and feel useful. And I and I feel like in these, you know, in these 10 commandments of the talent destination recipe, right? I'm I keep calling it like the 10 commandments of culture. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of that, right? Like it's this just proven making win-wins happen for people and enabling them instead of trying to tell them who to be try to help them be the best version of themselves. And I think it's amazing. Yeah. And the the point in kind of spelling it out this way and why we launched the podcast is, you know, yes, this is aspirational, but when you look at each of these ingredients on their own, yeah. they're all simple, right? Like, yes, yeah. they're the execution of them, you know, at scale is difficult and challenging, but also just showing people like, here are the steps and here are the things you need to pay attention to. And this is what's most important and work through this list, right? So the goal was converting it from an abstract idea of how do you achieve this thing called a great culture, right? And just breaking it down into super simple concepts that theoretically, if you are aligned and committed, anyone could make this happen if they want to. Yeah. So that was that was the hope of distilling it. So like this is a roadmap and we can create more companies like this. So more people can work in great places, right? And have better outcomes, better well-being, like better innovation, better ideas, like better all around. Yeah. Better all around, man. Look, look, a lot of a lot of stuff that we're talking about reminds you a lot of our mutual friend Jerry McNamara, who's here. And he's the first guy that I heard talking about like love your people the hardest. And yeah. also talking about this idea that if you can make a hundred CEOs or 10,000 CEOs believe in these concepts, that's the way to impact the world, right? Like corporate yep. culture, my wife and I were having this really interesting conversation of like companies run the world now, man. Like it's like, it's obvious, right? Like this, the, the resistance to Ukraine and everything that happens has been like decoupled from governmental organizations. And it's all about how companies are able to affect change in a massive way. So the idea of injecting this recipe into companies so that we can just start having people do their best work, feel valued, feel like they have purpose, be on a mission and continue to add that value to the equation is the way to improve the world. I think it's super profound what you're doing. It's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It's like Mark Benioff in Salesforce, right? Like he's essentially a philanthropist now after building Salesforce. And he spends most of his time on different philanthropic efforts that he feels passionate about. And I think like I, in just reflecting of my own experiences and my peers kind of growing up in the New York startup scene, like I have seen people like their mental and physical well-being be extremely negatively impacted by work conditions, right? And this is like, it's not good for anyone. And it was sort of under the guise of, well, it's business and we don't have a choice and it has to be this way. And so it's rejecting that premise, right? And saying that isn't actually true. And the other piece of it is like acknowledging what it is, right? Like business is personal. It is emotional. Human beings are super emotional. Like even logical, even people that say that they're more logical will respond in various situations highly emotionally, right? And so it's also just acknowledging like, 
the beast that we all are and like, and the things that we need, right? And the things that make us feel good and that make us feel connected to a purpose and that make us, that motivate us to want to do things and not like leaning into that and not like being emotional is not a bad thing, right? And being in tune with other people's emotions. Now you have to manage those emotions and you have to harness them effectively, but that's, it's so critical. It's why I talk about emotional intelligence so much as well, because it's the, you know, I'm using air quotes, like the soft skill, which is going to become like one of the most important skills for people to develop is like, how do you work with other people and like get shit done and influence others, get people on the same page, motivate, inspire, et cetera. Okay. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in. Listen, you had, you had me at reject the premise and you kept me going the whole time. I love it. I love it. So Ashley Saba, Ashley, great to have you here. She's obviously a fan of yours. She's got a question. She's asking, will you be putting out a podcast on talent destination on the layoffs? It seems like you guys did the right way. And I think a lot of companies need to learn from you. Is that something you're thinking about? It is our intention to do that. We actually took a hiatus from the podcast for a few weeks. We're going to be re-kicking things off this week. But just with everything going on, we just felt like it was respectful to just take a break for about a month before we resumed. So we will, our plan is to do that over the next couple of months to talk about how we approached it, how we made the decisions, you know, what the impact was. The team is still in touch with all of our awesome teammates that we had to say goodbye to. We hope that we'll be able to welcome them back one day. And it goes back to like, this is a business, not a family, right? Like the business necessitated this decision. We did lots of things to try to avoid it. It's the worst decision that you have to make. But unfortunately, it's like, it's also part of building businesses and sometimes it has to happen. So if you do have to do something like that, how are you doing it in the best possible way to treat those impacted with dignity and respect and give them the best chance for making a good transition so that it doesn't negatively extremely negatively disrupt their life. Obviously it does. And obviously it's a very upsetting situation. So yeah, our intent is to talk more about that and probably just wait a little bit longer as everyone's, you know, kind of looking for their next thing. And as we're helping people try to land their next opportunity. Cool. Yeah. That's the right way to do it. Right. Like it it reminds me of my first job as a, you know, I I graduated out of like a executive and training program for a fortune 500 company. And by the time I was like 25, I was running Orange County and like December 6th, 2007, right. It's in construction. So the world is ending and I had to lay off like 40 people to start in December. And it was like, just like a group layoff, totally impersonal, like, yeah, you're cut, your number's up. And that was one of the first kind of like telltale signs of this corporate America thing isn't isn't really my thing. You know what I would love to talk to you about though, Megan, is this idea that we definitely connected on the fact that we believe in team above everything else, right? Like it is it is the nucleus that drives the engine. There is no better way to grow a business than the idea that everybody that interacts with your company has a great experience, right? I love going to in and out because everybody's super happy, but you can't do that unless you know how to drive enough revenue to be able to take care of of people, right? Because like attracting people on a mission will stop being in their best interest if it doesn't at some point allow them to Can't compensate their life. them effectively. Yeah, com- yeah, compensate them effectively. Yeah, you want to yeah. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and I think that's the like, that's really gets to the root of like the difference between a, a business and a family, right? Like the yeah. underlying premise is that you have built a profitable, sustainable, growing business that will appropriately compensate people. And not only are you meeting, you know, people's financial needs and financial motivation, you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. We're covering your basics of what you need to survive and food and shelter and peace of mind. And then you want to start tapping into, you know, the higher rungs on that pyramid, right? That are tapping into purpose and self-actualization and mastery and all of those things. But if you can't get the basics, none of that other stuff matters, right? And so it goes back to like, you have to have a sound business model. You have to be able to attract customers. You have to be able to retain customers. You have to be able to expand customers. You have to have a a product or service that the market actually wants and needs and that are willing to pay for. You need to be smart enough to pivot your strategy over time to the changing market conditions that are happening constantly. And so like that is a prerequisite 
to all of the ingredients that go into a talent destination. And this is why like I grew up in the startup scene, right? With like, you know, I was at companies that were getting millions and millions of dollars in funding, burning a ton of cash. I was at a company that went from private to IPO and saw how that changed everything, right? With yeah. how we spent money and and every like that is foundational. And at the end of the day, if you don't have a product that people want, you don't have a proven customer acquisition and retention model, you're not actually doing something that matters. Like you're not going to get to the phase where you can start creating a talent destination. So this is all under the premise that like you're building a business that has sound unit economics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And listen, you you kind of have in, I'm going to fast forward to these like five keys of bringing it all together, right? Like you, I mean, you talk about how people success equals customer success equal company success, but like the five keys of bringing it all together are to clearly define your ideal customer profile and journey, to be methodical and thoughtful about goal setting, right? That's the, the clarity thing. Ensure there is true company alignment on goals and incentives. We track plenty about that for regularly identified points of friction and address them quickly. You just said it, you got to keep iterating and then embracing the infinite mindset. We talked about that. I want to go back to number one and what that role of really knowing your ideal customer profile and journey, right? Like the role of a niche was one of the biggest pieces of advice that you gave me when we first spoke. And it's something that Chris has told me over and over again, and it's finally beat it into my head. Um, <laughs> can you tell me kind of you know, how does the whole niche and knowing your clientele really play into all of this at a foundational level? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also natural that as your company grows that this changes, but being super clear on which customer is going to actually achieve the value or the desired outcome of your product or service and what does that customer need? What are their problems? And how can you deliver on that outcome effectively is key. I grew up in customer success. And so I know how painful it is to bring on a customer that is not a good fit, where you have to fight from day one, their churn is inevitable, right? And it creates negative feelings all around. And so this is really just sort of like back to basics, right? This is like basic go-to-market strategy of what problem are we solving? Who is my target customer? What do they care about? As I think about how I'm going to deliver this product or service and what the customer's desired outcome is, how am I architecting a journey to get them there as soon as possible? And also, ideally, surprising and delighting them along the way, right? So that they get what they want and they enjoyed the ride. And it's tough when you're in a startup environment, especially if you're starting a new business, you might not know right away who your ideal customer is, right? So like, this is not easy to do. And it does take a lot of trial and error initially. And then you often will find your fit, your niche, and you can start to, you know, acquire more customers in that niche and serve them well. But then often things will change. Like our ICP at Refine Labs has evolved a lot from when Chris was just doing consulting to where we are today. And I expect it's going to continue to evolve as we go forward. The key is at the stage that you're in, are you making it a priority to get clarity on this? How are you designing your service delivery, your product, whatever it is to meet that? And then how are you staying alert to markets, conditions changing, and when you might need to revisit your ICP and then make the appropriate changes in your marketing, your sales, and your customer success strategy? So it's normal for this to change. This is not a set it and forget it. But that clarity is, is really key. Totally. Listen, I heard it from you and Chris. 50 times until it finally like really started committing to it. It never became more apparent to me than a couple of weeks ago. I was, as we have iterated through what can our niche be, it became, it's becoming very obvious to me that companies that are in the wealth creation space stand very well to do this like community led motion because they, everybody loves to talk about, get together, to talk about money. They love people value networking in that space. Right. And they all have money to invest in marketing because they have very high deal sizes, right? So we're launching this financial planner for physicians. Our go-to move is to interview 12 of your best clients so we can start understanding the niche. And after talking to 12 physicians about how they all feel broke for the same reasons and they've all had the same life and you know all this stuff, and then interviewing my client and just like hitting him out of left field with different questions, just like what's changing physicians' lives in the last five years? You know, what is their biggest fear in life? What, what are they struggling with that nobody knows? And his knowledge of that made it so clear that it becomes this compounding effect that shortens sales cycles, that adds to like initial contract price of people trusting you and investing with you. And, you know, that to me means speed to revenue, 
to compensation of your team, right? Like, so I, it got really, really clear for me. And it was after a lot of iteration, which is why I love talking about it. And if you don't mind, I would love to spend the next 10 minutes talking about my favorite thing. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. In 10 minutes, we're going to kick it into relationship-driven growth strategy sessions, right? This is when we do our best imitation of Demand Gen Live and show up with our best advice. <laughs> and we got bullet points and stuff to talk about. And, and you can ask questions and we're going to do that. But for right now, let's keep going on with Megan here. Megan, what does community have to do with, what has the role of community been in building a talent destination in your own words? Yeah, absolutely. And so I think I have a few different perspectives on this because I think that community is actually integrated into so many things that we're currently doing, both with how we're building our company, how we're creating a talent destination, how we're acquiring customers. And the reality is, is it's there's just so much overlap and like complementary sort of beautiful things happening as a result. So at the core of it, community to me is creating a space that people want to go to and want to actively engage themselves, right? Yes, you have community moderators and this and that, but there's this general authentic desire to gather a group of people that you can tell, right? You can tell a community where that exists because everyone just wants to be there and everyone is enjoying each other versus some that may be a bit manufactured. And so I think what it comes down to is shared values and shared purpose. People will come together over shared values and shared purpose and want to spend time with individuals that they are inspired by, that they're motivated by, that they can dialogue with. And so when you think about how do you create a community or how do you build a community, it's not setting up a Slack channel, inviting some people to it. Like you have to really think about why are we here? How can I communicate why we're doing what we're doing, our vision, our mission, our purpose? How can I demonstrate my values and what's important to me and attract people that want that same thing? or that feel that same way? And then how can I cultivate experiences that make people want to keep coming back, right? How do I create a forum where people can learn and ask questions? How do I create a forum where people can grow and uh, achieve personal and professional development goals? And so when you think of community in that way, what it really is is saying is, how do I effectively communicate a vision and my values? And how do I create a space for those that that you know, resonates with to come interact and play? And at the core of it, that's what community is, right? So like your company could be a community. Your company could host you know, events that have external communities. You could be part of a club or this and that, right? But like that is what makes a great community. It's not forcing people together over something like those inherent ingredients have to exist. You're the community expert though. So what do you think? <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm curious of how you see it having effective, affecting you, right? For me, from the outside in, I see you and Chris doing a weekly or you did for a long, you had an epic run of weekly this, right? Like a Zoom webinar where your number one priority is to show up and add value to people that are seeking that value. Started mm -hmm. off with him and doing it with another subject matter expert and then evolved into you teeing him up with, with some like with bullet points that he had, moderating the conversation, mm -hmm. seeing you moderated in a way that made everybody feel super welcome, right? Like I saw you from the beginning, very deliberately creating this like inclusive environment where you would say, this is one of my favorite people. And oh, it's so good to see you again, right? Like to me, the deliberate energy of making people feel valued for being there and whatever the contribution was, making it clear that you saw value in it and you highlighted that was when I'm like, all right, man, Megan really knows what she's doing here. So as I see that happening, right? Like it's very similar to the experience that we had with the Not Your Average Investor Show, which is the thesis of everything that we do in my company. And as I've seen it mature, I've seen kind of both parallel happen from it being a 
client acquisition play where we're making this awesome content and we're creating this badass social validation for anybody that thinks maybe I want to do business with somebody. Oh, wow. It's got 60 people that want to, that show up here every single day. So it, it becomes a pipeline accelerator to becoming something where somebody applies to work at your company because they have been a part of this thing. Right. So like that, from the outside looking in, that was the journey that I saw, which is the journey that we have lived as well. And it's the thing that we preach will happen if you do it correctly. And I just, I'm curious from your experience, when you all started, you've been wanting to do a talent destination forever. When the strategy started, were you already thinking of reverse engineering this into a way that you can recruit people? Is it something that happened? And then you realize, man, we got this, like all these benefits, right? Like how conscious was it outside of the idea that you are making people feel welcome? How conscious was it that they could, a content stream that led to revenue could also turn into a client acquisition tool? Yeah. So I think the idea that the community would open up avenues for us to find great talent we kind of felt that from the beginning, right? And so it was really around, you know, and when you think about like, how are we being intentional about that? Like, I would ensure that as we were going through it, that like, whether someone asked it or whether I would ask Chris a question, like we were talking about what it was like to work at the company, right? We would highlight when we had openings. Um, we would find people that were looking for demand gen jobs, right? And I would reach out after the show and say, hey, like your profile looks great. You want to have a conversation, right? So we knew from the beginning that it was a way for us to, you know, get connected to great people and great talent. And we definitely, we've hired multiple people that have been longtime GGL listeners, right? We've, We've built a lot of those great relationships. I think that the... And Chris talks a lot about this too. And you say like, oh, Megan, you're very like welcoming and warm. Like that piece of it is literally just who I am, right? There's like no really like strategic intention behind it. Like it's just, it's me. It's me being my authentic self. And like, I am like, like in my personal life, I am like the ultimate host. Like every weekend this summer, I've had a different group of people over and I'm like entertaining and feeding and doing all of the things. And like, I love that. Like, I love taking care of people. I love creating great moments for people. I love making people feel special, right? So, and then with Chris, like, he like genuinely wants to help other marketers level up. So, and he talks about this a lot too, like your intention. Like our intention was fairly pure. Now, we knew that although we were tapping into that pure intention, that there was a solid business strategy behind it, right? For content production primarily, and then customer acquisition and talent acquisition sort of secondarily. But I don't think it would have been as effective if both of us weren't coming from a genuine place of authenticity of wanting to help level up marketers and just wanting to make people feel comfortable learning and growing together. So it's hard to replace that. I don't know. I agree, right? Like to me, that's why I started with you clearly show up wanting to help people, right? I think that's the recipe. I think that it doesn't, as a leader, and Ryan, why don't you start letting people up for relationship-driven growth? Start with Isar because Isar has a surprise for you, my, my business partner. He's got something he wants to show you. As a leader, whether it is for your company or whether it is for your clientele community, if you are not showing up in a genuine desire to help people reach their goals, you are missing out on the overall strategy that is going to win in the in the 21st century right? like and that to me is what has been so obvious for everything that refine labs has done and the partnership of you and chris it's clear that you both came together wanting to help each other out that has created this environment where you are helping out a market you're helping out you know a community you're helping out your you know, your employees and what you're doing. And it's always seemed so, it's always been so blatantly genuine and undeniably genuine would be the thing that I've noticed that I think is the overall lesson to really learn from how you have a podcast that is one of the best podcasts in the world and how you've built one of the most compelling businesses of anybody in the last, you know, since COVID, right? Like, I don't think anybody since 2020 has has really built something this significant and shown up as such a rocket ship. And I just really want to iterate the fact that it has come from a 
genuine place to want to help at large that is also a super solid business strategy. Well said. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that that's 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 me on my soapbox. Met, you know, I, I realized that I just made Ryan a co-host right now to start letting people up. Megan, quick question from Don. Now that you are on the other end of the journey, how have you defined? You know what? I kind of I want to give you grace, and if, if you're going to talk about your layoffs, you're going to. I want you to do it on your own platform. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we will address. But no, this was thank you so much for having me. It was awesome to chat about this with you. I know you guys have the next section. I'll have to drop off for my next call. But this was really awesome to be here. And I always love catching up with you, Pablo. And so thanks so much. And it was great to see everyone in the chat. And yeah, you'll hear more from everything that we're doing as we continue to push out content on uh, Talent Destination. What's the best way to connect with you, Megan? Or what is the number one thing anybody can do to help you out? You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm not on any other social media for the moment. And then you can check out Talent Destination. And that's all. Check me out. Let me know if I can help. I don't need anything else though right now. <laughs> Isar, say hello. So, Isar, good to hey, see man. you. So I, I've been wearing the Refine Lab stuff for the last few weeks, basically, since I got it. It's really, oh, really do you awesome. Have you know, the... <laughs> I got my mic. I got the cap. I've got the whole Refine Labs <laughs> thing. And it's the only thing I can say, you know, it's Florida and it's August and it's a little warm. So next time, maybe something a little chill for the guys down south. <laughs> we have to get you a, a tank top or a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. All right go go to your next call. Thank you so much, Megan. Really appreciate you. Have a great session, guys. Take care. All right. All right. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and you got a bunch of value out of it. And if you did, it would mean the world to me if you reached out to our guest and let them know how, what you learned, what you thought about it. Everything that you need to connect with them is going to be in the show notes. And on top of that, why don't you double up and reach out to me? I'd love to hear from you. It really is why I do this is so that I can meet awesome people. I would love to hear from anybody that you think should be on this podcast, including yourself, about how you build world-class relationships, how you create community, how you lead companies in this relationships over transactions methodology. And if you believe in that stuff, that is what we're doing at my company, Be The Stage. You can check it out at bethestage.live. But the Cliff Notes version is, we've learned that most companies know that they need to be making content and they know that they really wanna drive a community. But where do you start with that stuff? The best way to start doing that is to create an internet talk show because it allows you to create a strategic relationship with a guest one-to-one -one, while you create strategic relationships with the audience one-to-few. And then when we repurpose the show for you and spread it out all over social media, you're creating relationships one-to-many. It is the ultimate relationship-driven growth engine to feed your entire pipeline marketing team and customer success what companies call their go-to-market strategy can now be driven by community if you're interested in that go to be the stage.live check it out reach out to me i would love to create an internet talk show just for you now if you'll indulge me i'm going to take a play out of the book of one of my heroes christopher lockhead the godfather of category design co-author of my favorite business book, Play Bigger, and my favorite newsletter, Category Pirates, which I'm going to link in the show notes because I think you should subscribe. It's the smartest thing basically in the world. Anyways, at the end of his podcast, which is Follow Your Different, he always shouts out and gives a roll call to people that he thanks. And I want to do that too. I want to thank my team at Be The Stage. I want to thank JP, who is the editor of this content, the guy that makes all the cool micro content and makes everything look cool. Joanna, who distributes a lot of the stuff. She writes a lot of the descriptions. Nicola, who is uh, my buddy that I've been mentoring for a couple of years out of Bulgaria, a really bright 15-year-old kid that writes a lot of the captions on social media. Marge, who is always keeping track of everything. She is the executive assistant of the dreams that all come true. Gina, who is a world-class integrator. She is our COO. She is the one that is just making all the processes happen. Whenever I say something, she designs a way to make it happen. It's incredible. My business partner, Isar, who without him, none of this stuff could be possible. That guy is the best. He's got an awesome podcast. It's called the Business Growth Accelerator. You should totally check that out. 
I want to thank my parents. They're my inspiration. They're the best. My family. I love them to pieces. My wife, Marta, who is my muse and my inspiration for everything. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, go do it now. But before you do that, if you haven't checked out either episode seven or episode 69, those are my 2019 and 2020 last call tracks where I give this like rapping, talking, motivational speech over like a really cool beat. It's actually the beat that I have on this podcast right now that I had custom produced by my guy, Michael, out of Russia, who's a sick beat producer. Check that stuff out. That is the origin story of my business, the origin story of what I'm up to, and it's really what I am most proud of. Episode 7, episode 69 of this podcast. Hope to see you on the next one. Hit me up on social media. I love you. Don't forget, relationships over transactions, that is the way that you win. It's a long game. Human beings are happiest when they're in service, so serve others and you will be able to open any door that you ever wanted. Never forget that. If you don't know how to serve others, everybody needs an extra cheerleader, cheer for people, be invested in their future, see what you can do for them. It all comes back in the long run. I really hope you reach out to me. I want to meet you. I want to talk to you. I want to help you achieve your dreams. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome rest of your day. Side effects of listening to this podcast include, but are not limited to, increased employee engagement, retention of high potential employees, and becoming a badass in the people, talent, or operations space. If you're looking for a new role, Refine Labs would love to hear from you. Go to refinelabs.com slash careers for more insight into amazing opportunities at our fully distributed workforce.